Hello, everybody. Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, coming at you. It's been a hot minute, right? It's been it's been a little bit. I apologize. There's been so much stuff going on. I guess I better just get this off my chest here right now. That, that It's been a really interesting uh, summer for us. Everybody here at like Team Drag Illustrated and all the, the things that we, we dabble in, we, we spend so much time and energy. We invest so heavily into the World Series of Pro Mod that happens uh, the, the second weekend of August uh, in the summer. We're, uh, it just it gobbles up a whole lot of energy. So the, the days, weeks, and even months following that event are really just a huge kind of uh, regrouping time for us, kind of a cleanup time where we're, we're, we're tackling a whole bunch of stuff that maybe got overlooked or didn't get the attention it deserved. So I apologize for being a little a little um, uh, absent here via the podcast. I really am passionate about this project. It may not seem like that, uh, being that it's been like a, a month and a half or longer since I've uploaded, but I really, I'm super passionate about this this project, and we're going to dive back into it. Sometimes I out-trick myself. I, I'll, I'll, I have such a strong desire to make everything like mega badass, so I'm you know, buying cameras, building sets, setting stuff up, changing lights, doing this, testing new software, all these things. And I, I, I stop, you know, I, actually this happened this week. I looked at all these wires and all these cables I had ran all across our office. And I've got this new update for this software. And I figured out how to get this controller to run all these high-end graphics. And I'm going, Wes, just 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 say some stuff and record it and upload it who cares and it's it's really funny because sometimes you got to take your own advice right i i say this stuff to racers and promoters and and media people all the time just churn it out man perfection is the the enemy of completion and every once in a while man you got to you got to step back and you got to take your own advice so here we go i've got a list of 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 maybe seven things that i really want to touch on um, there's some super obvious ones, but, uh, th- there's a whole lot of stuff going on in the sport of drag racing right now. Really exciting stuff. If you think about it, I used to be one of those guys. It wasn't that long ago that I would be, you know, kind of laboring over how great, you know, missing the good old days. I think Brett Kepner calls it uh, glory day itis. You know, those of us that at different times have believed that, that our sports best days were behind them. I've never really fully subscribed to it, but I will admit there have been different times throughout the, you know, almost 15 years that we've been doing this magazine that I've thought like, oh man, I, w- I sure wish this was still going on. Or man, I sure wish this still, this guy was still around. And it's easy to get caught up in that nostalgia, but I got to say that th- this is a phenomenal time to be involved with the sport of drag racing. It's there's so much racing going on to an almost problematic degree. I'll make that argument later in in this uh, podcast, but it's, it's a wild time to be alive, man. It's a really, really wild time to be alive. And I, and I guess uh, let's, let's get started here. So the, the first obvious topic of conversation, and it really, it brings up a well of, of a whole slew of thoughts, feelings, and emotions for me, when I when I say what I'm about to say, that Stevie Fast Jackson clinched the E3 Spark Plugs NHRA Pro Mod Drag Racing Series World Championship this past weekend at Z Max Dragway in Concord, North Carolina. 
it, it with a race to go. Think about that, guys. I mean, if you rewind to the you know October 2018, the strip at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, put you know, let me paint you a picture here. Mike Janis leading the points is in the shutdown area at the top end of the racetrack, chewing his fingernails off, waiting to see what was going to happen in the next round of eliminations. Was Ricky Smith going to pull off this unbelievable come-from-behind championship win, or was Rick Horde going to take him out and and seal the deal for Mike Janis? And and that's ultimately what happened. And I don't want to shortchange the efforts of Mike Janis and company, but you compare and contrast that to what we're seeing here in 2019, which was... Pretty much a thorough ass-kicking by Stevie Fast Jackson and that Bahrain One race team. Just an incredible effort from start to finish. They they went out of 2018. I remember Stevie stepping up at the, the NHRA Pro Mod Awards Banquet in Samstown in Las Vegas. Great little shindig that uh, it's kind of fun because it's one of the handful of times that you'll see all these Pro Mod guys, all their team members and car owners, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all in one place without tools in their hand or, or, or hands or bigger fish to fry. So cool little get together. And I remember Stevie is awarded, which is kind of a crazy thing, but it was true. He, he is awarded the NHRA uh, Pro Mod Rookie of the Year honor, and he steps up and he, he makes it known that, hey, I'm coming for you guys. You know, we didn't come here to to be a part of the deal. We came here to to win this deal and compete for a championship. And I think what you see here in 2019 with Stevie Jackson and just there's a lot of layers to this onion. I say that all the time, but this one is a specifically multi-layered onion. And, you know, first and foremost, I want to express my personal just congratulations to Stevie, that whole crew, Billy Stockland, Jack, Robbie, everybody. I mean, it's that group of people, the the battle that they've fought, and it's, and I don't say the battle that they fought like they're you know in the foxhole you know taking fire. It's just the it is a grind. This NHRA Pro Mod Drag Racing Series has become something that I don't know that anybody really thought it would become. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that the fields weren't full that, I mean, I was looking at some crazy things and I, and I don't want to, I'm going to bounce around here a little bit, but I actually pulled up the uh, final qualifying order for the, uh, this would have been like October of 2005. And the, the pro mod series was in Dallas because uh, Charlotte wasn't on the schedule at the time. And there were a mere 16 cars at the uh, pro mod race in Dallas. This is in 2005. So anybody that showed up was going to make the field Harold Laird rounded out that 16-car field with a 14-second elapsed time, right? Number one qualifier was Jay Payne, who ran six flat at 2.39. We are a, we are a world away from that. It's unbelievable how far this deal has come in what I believe to be a relatively short amount of time. I mean, it's not been that long ago that you could sneak into a pro mod field with a six second run. Now you're, you're all but laughed off the property and to win a world championship for Stevie Jackson in his second full year in pro mod competition to come out and win a world championship. I know guys that have spent millions and invested decades in this type of drag racing that haven't had even remotely close to the level of success that Stevie's had the last couple of years and the performance they put on clearly the, the product of laser focus. I knew these guys were coming into the season with a ton of momentum. They, 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 they do the proper maintenance. They do all the hard work in the shop and through the week that puts you in a position to win a world championship, man. And I, I think back to Gainesville and just watching the way 
they run that Bahrain One racing car, uh, that racing Camaro. Dude, they there's very little left on the table. That thing's wheels up, rockers dragging. It's uh, it's no huge surprise if they kick the rods out of it. I mean, they run that thing on the ragged edge. They are using it all up, and they did from start to finish. And I just really can't say enough about Stevie and the whole group. They they do the work, the 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 non the not so glamorous work. And they do the glamorous work. They do the pit thrashes. I mean, you swing by their pits pretty much at any given time, and there is a, a, a monsoon of activity over there. It's it's kind of crazy because for a group that has the success that they do, you go over there, man, and they are, I mean, it, they're getting it. it they, there is constant thrash, constant action. And I don't say that any sort of negative with any sort of negative connotation, it's just the fact that they are over there working on this thing, trying to get better, experimenting, testing, and it's really, really impressive. But no huge shocker to me to see them winning the world championship here in 2019. I'm super happy for them. If you think about it, it's most, it's definitely the feel good story of the summer, if you ask me. You think about Stevie, when, when our paths first crossed, this cat was racing. Orska, the Outlaw Racing Streetcar Association. I don't know if uh, anybody listening remembers that. Orska was an awesome man. I I loved, shout out to Johnny Finn, Jack Barfield, Mike Hill, all my original uh, OG Orska guys, man, where uh, I think 10-5 tire racing really rose to uh, prominence, man. But I I met Stevie. He was racing Easy Street with a little orange Mustang, a little uh, notchback Mustang, a Fox Body Mustang, and to see how this whole journey, to, to have seen it go around the globe, the the stardom that that he has achieved. I mean, he, this is a legit drag racing celebrity. This is a guy that's got stroke, man. He has a huge fan following. It's 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 crazy. It's extremely impressive to see what he's built. Just energy and enthusiasm wise, but to couple that with a whole bunch of success on the track and to know where he came from, a tool truck, how many people, I mean, everybody in my friend, like my circle of friends knows their tool guy, right? I mean, I, I remember growing up, I grew up in a repair shop, right? So, you know, I knew the snap on guy, the Mac guy, the Matco guy. I mean, these guys were like parts of our family. They were extended family members. We went vividly remember going to dinner, like multiple Saturday nights with the Snap-on guy because him and my dad were best buddies. So it's just crazy to think that here's a, a, a tool guy, a dude that was wearing red wing work boots, a Dickies, Dickies shirt. I mean, a very regular dude going to work, slinging tools, trying to earn a living out of the, the back of a tool truck. And here he is now, not so long later, earning a living as a professional drag racer, being sponsored by a foreign country which, I mean, that's everybody's got their opinion on that stuff. But if you think about just what that means, how how far this man has come, and then to win a world championship, it's it's incredible. It's really, really incredible. I do think that, and again, I want to bookend that part of this conversation by just saying that I'm super happy for these guys. I know the pressure that's on that team to win, the expectation, and... Man, they're living up to it. They're they're earning all the praise they they get. You can see Stevie's influence on the JNA Service Race team and and how those cars, Jim Whiteley, Stephen Whiteley, those cars are turning the corner now that Stevie's gotten involved with their program. This this guy is the real deal. He's a, a racer's racer, and I gotta say, I think it's uh, it's fantastic for Pro Modified that he's the champion. He's 
in in all sports, you, you're kind of you know the promoter types, the guys that are you know the team owners and 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 officials in the MLB or NFL or whatever. Especially in combat sports, I mean, you look at boxing, uh, mixed martial arts, etc. You're looking for people that have star power. You see someone that's got star power, and you 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 use them, right? You put their their brand to work, and I really feel like as a champion that we can really, you know, stand on the shoulders of, you know, the sport of drag racing can kind of ride on, on Stevie's coattail. And it's, it's, uh, there's no telling where this guy is headed. I will say that it will break my heart a little bit to see him, you know, leave ProMod. I know that he has a stated goal of racing top fuel, racing funny car and moving into, you know, the, what is inarguably the, the highest levels of professional drag racing. And I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, beat down or or take away that dream from the man just because I'm a pro mod psychopath, right? Just because I love pro mod and I don't want to see him leave pro mod. I will say that if I have to pick someone that's the next John Force, the next guy that can become a transcendent star, that can that can become known uh, on Main Street America, because right now, you know, I, I live in small town America. So you walk up and down the streets of, of this little town that I live in, ask someone to name a drag racer, they're probably going to say, Big Daddy Don Garlitz, John Force, or Big Chief, right? I mean, it's that's if you ask someone, a complete stranger to the sport, just a complete stranger to you, hey, do you know anybody that's involved with the sport of drag racing? If you're lucky, they'll say John Force, or they'll say, like I said, Don Garlitz or Shirley Muldowney. They'll pull from, you know, the wide world of sports days, the, the you know, some of the times when drag racing actually had infiltrated pop culture, or... They'll, they'll mention Big Chief and Murder Nova. And I really think that Stevie Jackson, if given the opportunity, if he was put into a, you know, a Discovery Channel type situation where he was routinely on prime, primetime television, or if we put him in a situation where he was even on Big Fox several times a year, you know, Fox live, you know, driving a, a nitro car or whatever, going 300 miles per hour, racing against some of these fairly um, well-known names. This guy is a superstar already, and I think that he could really play a huge part in a in a in a growth season for the sport of drag racing if that opportunity was provided to him. And I think he can make a, a you know, there's a couple different arguments I can make here. Part of me says I'm going to put this kid in a headlock and hold him in that pro mod forever. Just keep him there because it's my belief that door slammer drag racing, pro mod, pro stock, even uh, radio versus the world. This is the type of racing that's going to carry the sport of drag racing forward. I believe that it's far more affordable. It's it's far more attainable. Although it can be argued, and I will make this argument in like thirty seconds, that it's it's really getting out of control in a hurry. I gotta say that. I believe that the dream for the casual car guy to go race pro mod or to go race pro stock or to go race radial tire racing, whether it's RVW or X275 or whatever, that dream's still alive, right? People still think they can get together with a couple of their buddies and go do that, right? I've got that car, and if we go together on a new engine, we can do this. I mean, I think that that those schemes are being hatched. Those dreams are being had. I don't know that there's a whole lot of people sitting around going, man, 
if uh, if we if I get my bonus this year, we could go nitro funny car racing. You know, if I get this deal and I get this commission, we could go top fuel racing. I don't know that that ain't happening, right? So I do think there's an argument that could be made where, you know, imagine a world where the NHRA goes, okay, wow, we we are struggling to grow our our nitro categories. We really need to double down on one of these categories where there's a large inventory of cars. Let's use this opportunity. That with Stevie Jackson as a champion, let's get this guy on talk shows. Let's get this guy on TV. Let's let's run a full page ad in the USA Today congratulating for him for his win. Let's let's invest in turning this guy into a superstar, a superstar athlete, superstar personality, more so than he already is. And ideally, by proxy, you would massively increase the visibility of pro mod drag racing and maybe bring some sponsor dollars to it, maybe bring some further interest to it, maybe bring some new teams to it, maybe get a couple of these, you know, how how crazy would it be if Don Schumacher Racing or Coletta Racing or Coletta Motorsports, excuse me, or John Force Racing, how crazy would it be if one of those teams fielded a pro mod? How crazy would that be? And I don't know that's an impossibility. I do think that uh, you kind of got to make a priority at some point or you kind of got to identify an objective and say, this is the path we're going to go. I believe no matter what anybody says about header flames and nitro having been historically the only long-term crowd draw drag racing has, the consistent crowd draw, I I really look at the street outlaws phenomenon and I'm just reminded that it doesn't matter what they race. I really I really believe that, man. I mean, look at all the things that Red Bull does. They've got people coming from all around the world watching on, you know, national televised uh, broadcasts, people racing soapbox derby cars, right? They've got people like jumping off of, of cliffs, you know, into water, wearing cardboard boxes. And they turn, that's just a decision. They've just decided like, hey, man, we're going to make this cool. And we're going to put all this energy and effort and money behind it. All this marketing power, we're going to put that behind it. We're going to make this a cool thing. We're going to make this a happening. And I believe that that could could happen for Pro Mod. I mean, it really doesn't. This is a, a brand of drag racing that I really believe has. It, it, there's a ton of opportunity there. But I'm going to use this. That opportunity comes with a cost, and it always does. For every door that opens, right, another one closes. And I think the door, the door that we're seeing closed in drag racing right now is just that of the the separate. And I don't know that I don't want to say that it's closed because if I think I'll eat those words. And I mean, big, big time sports show. If you're on ESPN, you can say one thing Monday and say a completely different thing on Friday. So I guess I shouldn't worry about it. But when I look at, you know, the qualifying order from this past weekend in Concord and Charlotte, North Carolina, and I see, you know, a 581 bump spot. I mean, that is insane to me, right? I mean, it wasn't last year we had a 577 bump spot in St. Louis. I mean, this racing has gotten so incredibly complicated. It hasn't it hasn't ran off entirely the 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 hobby racers and that is a very that's a hot button term, right? Everybody gets bent out of shape and mad, and writes emails and bangs on keyboards when the word hobbyist is thrown around. And I had a pretty heated debate recently with a guy um but it, there's no you cannot there are plenty of these guys that race as a secondary business or race as a hobby or as a pleasure or whatever they treat it as a business they take it very seriously they're professional about it i'm not trying to to shortchange that at all but you cannot really compare what's going on with a with a Stevie Jackson 
right? Or a Todd Tuttero or a Ricky Smith. I mean, you think that's three guys that have been at the top of the sheets. Excuse me, my allergies are killing me. At the top of the sheets throughout 2019 in the in the chase for the championship, winning races, setting records, and they have they have a couple of things in common. One, budget, right? They have a significant sponsor, a a foreign country in those three teams instances, right? They have a a you know Bahrain one racing massive operation where they have Alanabi performance, AAP, multi-car operation with a significant budget. But I think even more so important than that is full-time effort. These guys are people that race all the time. And when they're not racing, they're testing. When they're not testing, they're 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 maintaining their their programs. They're doing the work that's required in the shop. And it's so it's no surprise to me the teams that are in the championship hunt are the teams that do this every day and they do it for a living. They have to. I mean, right now, if if your basement flooded here in the Midwest, this is a fairly common thing. We get a big crazy rainstorm, your sump pump can't keep up and your basement floods, right? Who do you call? Do you call somebody that you got a foot of standing water in your basement, right? Who do you call? Do you call the guy that that moonlights as a plumber? Do you call the dude that 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 does it, you know, four or five times a year? Or do you call like the 800 number for the people that fix issues like this all day, every day? Well, of course, you call the guys that do it for a living. You call the professionals. And that's exactly what's on display here. The disparity, the difference, the, 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 the widening of the gap between the people who do this all day, every day, and the people who make a, and I'm not at all shortchanging, not at all shortchanging their effort. I'm just saying that there's clearly a big difference. And it's it's an interesting thing to watch unfold. I think the future of ProMod is while there's tons of promise and there's tons of excitement. And, and I really think if you can't get excited about quarter mile pro modified drag racing right now, you need to check your pulse, brother, because this deal is hot like fire. However, 19 cars in St. Louis, that was a shocker. 20 cars in Charlotte. I mean, you're indoor slammer country, right? 20 cars in Charlotte. I think that trend will continue. I think we will be I'll be stunned if we have 20 cars show up in Las Vegas at the end of the month for the last race of the season. And it's just, it's something that can't be ignored because with all this injection of talent, all this injection of money, there it's a double-edged sword, right? Leading edge or bleeding edge. And I think that both have, there's, there's goods, there's pros and cons, right? And I, I think that in so many ways, it's awesome and exciting and fantastic. But man, this deal's getting really, really, really competitive in a hurry, which just makes what Stevie did this year even more impressive. But I do think it's going to be interesting to see how long some of these guys that are that are weekend warriors for the most part, that are running a business, that are extremely hands-on with their company through the week, how many of these guys are going to be willing to continue to invest, to continue to fight the battle against guys that are professional drag racers. And I, there are plenty of these dudes that are, and Stevie is one of them. Stevie's a good example. He's not one of them, but he's a great example of someone who loves that challenge. They want to, they want it to be hard. They would be bummed out if it were easy. So I don't think, you know, I look at the the qualifying list just from Charlotte and I'm, I'm reminded of, you know, a dozen guys that love this fight, love the opportunity to go see how they can can do against guys that do it all day every day, and it's it's uh, and I don't think that's gonna 
that's not ever going to entirely go away. But if you've got your eyes closed, if you can't see things changing in ProMod now, there's an opportunity. I do believe there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to use Stevie as a champion, to use the, the competition level. There's never been a better time. The cars are safer, more reliable, that we're seeing more side-by-side competition than ever before. It used to be in ProMod just making it A to B. Just making it to the finish line under power, you're probably going to get in the show. And if you qualify in the top half, you're going to go around at least, right? Because there was half a field of, of, of guys that were struggling, ducks, guys that were just dabbling, whatever. That is not at all the case now. It's come so far from that. So if the NHRA or whomever, whatever marketing program we're going to go out and try to sell this category and get someone to inject a significant amount of money into it to increase the visibility, to do some of the activation, to get some of these cars, you know, on display, some of these drivers doing, you know, appearances and and paying for some of the, you know, just painfully bought and paid for publicity that you can go out and get. I really think it could be, it could be a phenomenal thing. But there is, like I said, there's another side to that coin that everybody's got to be prepared for. When you've got, you know, the pro-line powerhouse and you've got elite motorsports over here, you know, these guys have two-time world championship team with Erica Enders in pro stock. They start getting into pro mod. That's that's a serious happening. You got Jim Whiteley over here with JNA Service. They've got dedicated guys. I mean, you got Alex Laughlin. You know, as part of that elite motorsports deal, bringing in a lot of big corporate sponsors, a lot of big money operations to try to further this deal. You look at this, Mike Janis, and, and, I mean, you think about just the Alanabi performance team. It's Mike Castellana, full-time effort from Frank Manzo and company to put that car in the winner's circle for AAP. Then you got um, uh, Mike Janis, Brandon Snyder. It's it, it's really, really crazy the effort that's being made to to win and compete in Pro Mod. And I just, I don't know how long it, it could last forever. And I hope it does. But it, it's definitely the, the tides have turned. Things are, it's a changing dynamic environment. Very exciting. But again, a uh, definitely a two-sided coin, man. It's it's in it's going to be very fun to watch. It's it's been fun to watch so far. But if you just think about where this deal is headed and what it would take if you wanted to go compete against Stevie Jackson in 2019, a guy that sewed up the championship in 11 of 12 races before the the last race, before the 11th race on the schedule was even over, he'd locked up the championship. If you're going to go compete with that guy in 2020, you better you better be serious, man. You better have some bread. You better have some manpower. You better be willing to test. You better have some time. That's going to be the deal. You better be willing to race not 12 times a year. You can't show up in Orlando the week before Gainesville and make one test session, go blow the cobs out of it, right? Unload your stuff, air the tires up. I mean, you ain't going to be able to do that. And, and run with Stevie Jackson. You don't have a chance. And again, the bread, we've talked about this a lot, but it takes deep pockets to do this, to run at the front. And I just, again, I will close the uh, the that the Stevie Fast, Stevie Champ, I'm going to call him here, for at least two weeks, Stevie Fast deserves to be called Stevie Champ. It doesn't have near the ring to it. There, uh, There's probably a scramble to trademark that right now. But Stevie Champ, I'm, I'm so happy for this guy, so happy for that whole team, and I just really hope this is the type of thing that gives him 
whatever is needed to just continue and make a long run. There's nothing, the only thing that I think he could do from here, he's accomplished so much. And it's like, okay, where do you go from here? I think that what I am excited to see Stevie do is maintain this level of greatness, maintain this level of excellence, and it's and do so as the the spotlight gets brighter and bigger and the target on his back gets bigger and brighter. I think that it's going to be a, a fun thing to watch, but that's really all all he has to do now to I think Stevie Stevie Fast Jackson is a lock. Excuse me, Stevie Champ Jackson is a lock for the Universal Drag Racing Hall of Fame. I just invented this thing, the the Intergalactic Drag Racing Hall of Fame. I'm going to go ahead and just say that Stevie Jackson's like a first ballot entry into the Intergalactic Drag Racing Hall of Fame. He he can stop now. Homeboy's got it locked up, sewed up, right? But the only thing I really want to see is I want to see him keep doing this. I want to see as that racing from out front is different than kind of coming out of left field. You have to admit, no matter if you were a hardcore Stevie fan or you had followed his career closely, you were not surprised to see him be successful early in his pro mod drag racing career. You weren't at all surprised to see him come out and be right in the thick of things, right? But it's still... It's kind of crazy if you think about how fast this happened, and he's done so much. So he's won world championships in uh, in the ADRL. He he's won world championships in you know outlaw eighth mile competition. He's had success on radial tires. He's he's won it down at Valdosta, however many times. He's been on the cover of our magazine, Drag Illustrated, I think three times. It's uh, which may have never been done. I think he may be the only person alive that's been on the cover three times, and it's. It's massively impressive, and the only thing I want to see him do is just keep going because now that everybody, it's like when the NFL, in the NFL, when people start to figure you out a little bit, right? They start to know your nuances or the, you know, crew members get shuffled around. That's one of the things that I've seen happen over time. You have somebody that worked with a guy for a long time, and all of a sudden he gets an offer to go work on this other team, and it accelerates that other program, just the addition of that guy. Maybe not a crew chief, maybe just a car chief guy or a a high-level crew guy. Sometimes, you know, that that can happen. And I'm anxious to see how this whole deal just looks over the long haul because it seems like Stevie's been around forever, and he has. He's been around for a long time. But where he's at right now, this this is a different deal. I think he would he would say the same thing. I've uh, He was on record last year, I believe. Uh, there's a story on dragillustrated.com where he talked about NHRA Pro Mod Drag Racing being the greatest challenge that he's ever faced as a as a racer, the hardest racing that he's ever done. And I'm very excited to see if he's able to kind of to do that Ricky Smith thing. I don't know that he's the kind of guy that even wants to race into his 60s like Ricky has. And but that's one of the things that I always bring up when I talk about Ricky Smith. It's that prolonged success, that longevity that really sets the dude apart. It's impressive to see. And I, I think that um Stevie has all the makings of a guy that's going to be winning world championships. I mean, this could be, how could you argue, this could be a John Forsish, right? I mean, we talk, there's a lot of comparisons drawn to Stevie and uh, with John Forsish just in terms of personality and outspokenness, et cetera, et cetera. But 
I really think that there's a there's a comparison to be made just in the, the way they approach the sport of drag racing and their desire to win. They want to make noise. They want to be well-known, but they want to win as much as they want to breathe. They hate losing, hate losing maybe more than they love winning. And I, I can't wait to see is this I, – I don't know who you could bet, who you could pick that's a better bet to win the championship in 2020 and 21 than – than Stevie Fast Jackson. So huge shout out to that guy, that guy, that whole team, Billy Stockland, fresh off the cover of Drag Illustrated, the king of data. They were posting pictures on social media of him wearing a, a crown and a cape and a, a staff, kind of living up to that king of data title. And I just so happy for these guys, and I, I can't wait to see what's next for them. It'll be fun to see what they do in Vegas. I mean, that I would be surprised if they're not in test mode by the time they get to Vegas. Do they want to book in their their year with a ten thousand dollar victory? I'm sure they do, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them maybe testing some stuff, trying some stuff out to to see what they can do out there in some relatively challenging challenging conditions out in Las Vegas. But huge congratulations to Stevie Fast. But there was more pro mod drama in Charlotte, North Carolina, this past weekend. And I don't know that there was really as huge of a story as it was Monday when Stevie Fast Jackson and company clinched the world championship. I gotta say, the 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 drama on Friday night and Saturday was was right there. It was real, it was right there. It was right there. And I think um it had a whole lot of people talking, basically long story uh, about to be very long. But Khaled Al-Belushi gets disqualified Friday night. I This is always a – you can tell when you pull up DragRaceCentral.com and uh, you look at the qualifying order and you see the words in uh, parentheses um, revised. You know something's up, right? Somebody didn't make weight. Something happened. Somebody got DQ'd. And I remember I checked the qualifying list uh, check the qualifying order. I was in Texas this weekend handling some business out of town. It was like I wasn't at a drag race. I was working, but um, I was down in Texas, and I remember checking the – I was at a Mexican restaurant, not a shocker, and I pull up my phone to to load up DragRaceCentral.com and see who's qualified where, and I see that Belushi's on the pole with a 571, and I'm like, holy crap, man. What are that? – that's impressive. You think about what that means – I mean, the, these guys had just lost three pounds of boost before Indy, right? I mean, everybody's up in arms at the U.S. Nationals and in the months leading up to the U.S. Nationals. They, you know, the NHRA dings the, the turbo cars three pounds of boost, takes them from 36 pounds of boost to 33 pounds of boost. My phone won't stop making noise. This thing's ringing, dinging, and everything in between. Everybody up in arms going crazy. These cars won't even run. We can't. We probably will be lucky to run six flat with 33 pounds of boost. Oh, my God. This is this is going to end our program. And I'm looking at the number one qualifier, Khaled Al-Belushi. Yep, yep. I know him. Look over. Yep, Camaro. T, turbo, right? Number one qualifier, 571 with a 7, 256.89 miles per hour at 33 pounds of boost. Unbelievable. Monumental. And to be honest, I've known Brad Personet, another guy that's been on the cover of Drag Illustrated Magazine. My, uh, I met Brad back when he was uh, racing imports. It's been a long time ago that I met Brad. Um, but him and his dad, Mike, these are guys that I just have gotten to know, hung out with a lot, been to their house in Indiana. Uh, just love these people, right? No, no uh, uh, Brad's kids. I'm kind of doing the Stephen A. Smith thing. I've just known this guy a long time, and I'm, I'm always happy for any success that he has. So 
I see that, uh, Brad, they go number one. I shot him a congrats text or whatever. I check the, the, I can't remember what it was. I wanted to see what the bump was. And I go pull up Drag Race Central and I'm go and I notice revised. I pull it up. No Belushi. No Belushi. Belushi's run is gone. And at the top of the list is Todd Tuttero with a 574 with a four at like 251 or whatever. So I'm going, what the hell? So I shoot Brad a text. What's going on? You know, WTF, what happened? So over the course of the next 24 hours, this whole situation kind of is, uh, you know, the NHRA puts out a statement basically that uh, Brad's run, excuse me, Belushi's run had been DQ'd. Um, I think the official statement, yes, I pulled up this text, so bear with me. This is an official statement from the NHRA, which basically reads, Khaled al-Belushi has been disqualified from the event for a technical infraction found on the turbo regulatory system during a post-run tech inspection. So, I mean, this starts to circulate. There's a story on competitionplus.com. There's a a bunch of uh, uh, commentary on social media, and I want to know what's going on. So I start making calls. And I get on the phone with Brad, get on the phone with Belushi, uh, a handful of other guys that that not didn't necessarily have a dog in the fight, but had a had a vested interest just relationship wise and started kind of asking some questions. And it was really interesting to talk to Brad about it. I'm really proud of the story. If you haven't read it, pull up dragillustrator.com. I believe it's still on the homepage. The headline reads Turbo Turner. Turbo Tuner, Brad Personette opens up on Belushi disqualification in Charlotte. And I just think no matter how you feel about it, it's a pretty interesting situation. This is a classic case of innovative gray area. Uh, basically, there was some plumbing on the atmosphere side of the, the turbocharger, the wastegate on the, the ductwork that um, relieves boost pressure on these cars. And and I'm going to try to I'm going to blow through this as quick as I can, because this is something that I could probably spend an hour talking about. But there's. This is interesting, and I'm probably partly, I've got to take a little bit of responsibility there here just for some perception that exists. I've said on record many times that if I were to win the lottery or if one of the issues that exist with Pro Mod Drag Racing is that it has in the past, in my opinion, really looked like if you wanted to kind of guarantee success, if you wanted to ensure some level of success, you could basically just get a pro-line M&M transmit, you know, Proline Hemi with twin turbos, uh, M&M transmission, and you've, you know, a, a Jerry Bickle car. Like there is a there is a package out there that is that has a massive track record of success, a very long track record of success, and it kind of concerned me because I didn't want, I don't want Pro Mod to become Turbo Pro Stock. I think that that's a possibility with the the influx of late model Camaros. And just the perception that the easiest way to go race and be successful, run fast, have a chance to win is with a turbo car. I think that there have been times in the past where we have flirted with a future that looks like turbocharged pro stock. That said, I think that some of the things that have happened over the course of the last couple of years with, uh, you know, the, the efforts made by the NHRA to slow the turbo cars down, there, there's a lot of things that have happened. And, I, and what I want to say here and now quite quite clearly, quite, quite plainly, is that that perception that these, these twin turbocharged Pro Mods are easy to race is just incorrect. 
I would argue at this point, this, this is hard. These things make so much power. They are so finicky. They are so, it's, it's so unique in that everything, the motor gets, you you pull the motor down, load it more. It makes more power. I mean, it's just, it, it, there's so many nuances to this thing, to this particular combination, the, the violent power it makes, the electronics that are required to run the cars. It's just you're you're relying on a whole lot, a whole host of things working in harmony. And I, I would argue that it's – I don't – I mean it's – hey, man, the proof's in the pudding. I mean you look at the, the top finishers here in our points championship in 2019 in Pro Mod and you're going to see some blower cars at the front, right? You, I think that that's just a – it's more, far less experimental, right? It's just, it's more, the word that Brad Personette, I think, would use is it's more raceable. You hear that a lot. If you spend any time in the pits, you talk to any of these crew chiefs, any of these drivers, the the twin turbo combination that exists in the Pro Mod, in NHRA Pro Mod right now, it's hard to race. It's It's a hard to race combination. And basically what it is, and this isn't, this isn't a new revelation, it's that the turbos are are too big, right? There was a time when there was no boost limit, right? Or and then it was forty four pounds, and then it was thirty eight pounds, and or you know, and then they've kept pulling boost back and pulling boost back and pulling boost back in an effort to slow these cars. And now here at thirty three pounds of boost with twin eighty eight millimeter turbochargers, these things are so far away from from their efficiency, from their highest level of efficiency that. They're hard to race. They're 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 basically the way Brad Personette explained it to me in my arg in my article on DragIllustrator.com is that it's they're, they're they're basically in a constant surge, you know. And and what what Brad Personette and the the Bahrain One Racing Team ultimately got in trouble for what the infraction amounted to was an an effort that Brad was making to control how violently. And kind of inconsistently, the wastegate open up, opens up, right? Because what happens is these cars take off, and as they run up towards the maximum boost limit, right? They they get up towards 33 pounds of boost. The turbo starts to get happy, right? The car starts to kind of go into its happy zone. As soon as the boost hits 33 pounds of boost, the wastegates open because of the the mandatory hyperactive boost controller that's on these cars that that the car instantly gets up to 33 pounds of boost the turbo the boost controller takes out pulls pulls boost away drops it one to one and a half pounds below max boost level before the boost controller would turn around and let the boost go back up right so it's kind of like constantly chasing itself it runs up and hits 33 pounds of boost then it 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 pulls boost back right and and then it goes back up towards 33 pounds of boost and then it goes down and then it goes back up and it goes down and it goes back up and by the time you do that like three, four, five, however many times during the course of a 5.8 second run, you're just leaving a lot of performance on the table. I mean, I think just a the, the lay explanation, the layman's explanation that I just provided, it's not a huge surprise that this is a problem for these guys. And it's, there's, there's other factors at play, right? So on the gear change, the motor, the RPMs drop down, the motor pulls the motor down a little bit, the boost numbers will flare up, right? Because the motor's loaded more, the engine's loaded more. And there's just so many nuances to running these things that I, I think that where, 
where Brad and, and company kind of ran into an issue is that in the NHRA rule book, which I you know immediately busted out to kind of go through and, and see how it fit with the statement from the NHRA, but I'll just pull this note up here and read it verbatim. According to um, section six, page four of the 2019 NHRA rule book, no other boost controller or form of boost control is permitted, which... I wasn't there, but it was reported to me by multiple sources that that was the point the NHRA people were continually making is that, hey, there, there's no other form of boost control allowed. That's against the rules. That, that was the problem. And they, they, they treated it as a very cut and dry thing. Brad's argument that this is on the – is basically that this is on the, the non-pressurized side of the system, right? This is on the atmosphere side of the system. I'm not trying to get – more boost. I'm not trying to cheat the system to get more boost. I'm not trying to do anything. I'm trying to get the boost that we're allowed as much as I can. I'm trying to use the 33 pounds of boost that we're allowed for as much of the run as possible. And again, I know that it's one of those rules that it's just kind of Brad believes it's open for interpretation and the interpretation that the NHRA technical officials had was that it was illegal and they they bounced them. And it's I think that there was a concert of issues. There's just this is one of those things where a bummer of a deal. I, I think that what I hate for Brad is that you know these type of situations, you know these, you know allegations start get thrown start to get thrown around, and it's just really hard to recover from. And I thought Brad and company really handled it well, being will, willing to talk about it. I know Brad perused the pits in um, in Charlotte, invited anybody over to to check out what they were doing to see you know you know to kind of clear the air i i feel with how quickly this story this was like a big 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 story talked about lots of people interested lots of people kind of up in arms a lot of some fingers getting pointed so on and so forth and then all of a sudden it it kind of is just over and i i think part of that is is Due to the fact that Brad Personet the has been super open about this, they they haven't shied away from it at all. And for me, my biggest, what I'm excited about for, and sometimes bad things have to happen, right? I mean, I think that shit like, excuse my language, but bad shit like this happens, and it it sets us up for, it provides us an opportunity. It provides us like the runway for change. It provides an opportunity, and I think. What we're going to see is some experimentation done in the coming days, weeks, months, years, hopefully sooner uh, than years. But I, it's been argued. I had this conversation with Steve Petty many moons ago. I don't know that anybody listening doesn't know who Steve Petty is. I would say inarguably the, the, the greatest, most successful turbo tuner um, of all time. This guy is uh, kind of the 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 brains, the tuning brains behind uh, all the success down at Proline Racing Engines. And Steve told me on multiple occasions that the turbos are too big on these cars. And what needs to happen is we need to test with smaller turbos. And I think that that's, it's exciting because when I look at the supercharged combination and I look at the, the, um, the, the nitrous combination. And when I look at like even a pro charge combination, I see mechanical limitations, right? I see pulleys that, that are going to spin, that are going to, that are, you know, such a size that they're overdriving the, the, the unit so much, they're going to create X amount of boost. Right. And when I look at the engines, the nitrous engines, I see 
real mechanical limitations, cubic inches, right? I mean, they can only make the engine so big. They can only use so much. I mean, it's, and that's what I see the turbocharged cars lacking, a true mechanical limitation. If they want the boost limit, in my opinion, if the boost, if they want the boost limit to be 33 pounds of boost or whatever, they need to have turbos on these cars that'll only make 33 pounds of boost. That, that's, that's the answer. That, that, that's when you let the atmosphere kind of call the shots, right? And you let the conditions on race day have more of an impact than they do on a combination that's going to make power, that, that can make 33 pounds of boost no matter where they're at. That's one of the issues that really I've got to know very well with our race, the World Series of Pro Mod, the Drag Illustrated World Series of Pro Mod in Denver, Colorado. Running these cars, quarter mile Pro Mods at 10,000 feet of elevation, you know, the, the blower cars are massively affected. I can give them more blower overdrive. I can let them spin those roots blowers 20% over as compared to the, the 14.5% or 16.5% they've been limited to in NHRA competition. I can... I can pull I can let them spin them 20 over and at that air at that at that elevation excuse me they're still not going to make the boost that they are going to make at sea level right I mean they just there's nothing I can do and you start to lose efficiency when you spin the blowers over cuz you're generating heat but the turbo cars these 88 millimeter turbos I mean they're going to make 30 whatever the rule is they're going to make that boost wherever they go because those turbos will make 60 pounds of boost they'll make twice that much right so making 33 pounds of boost and using an electronic controller to 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 uh to maintain that it's it's just i don't really know i'm not the cars are still very difficult to run but i just think that long term this conversation needed to be had a long time ago it, it needed to be had a, a long time ago the turbos are too big the, they're running the boost so low on those cars that with those turbos that it's just it's hard to race them. It really is hard to race them. And, and you can see it right now. I mean, you can see it. The guys, they'll make a bonsai run. They'll make a killer run here and there. But when I talked to Ricky Smith and asked him about, you know, they, it was huge news when Ricky Smith dived into the Turbo Pro Mod world. He, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. He gets himself a Turbo Pro Mod, a 67 Mustang from Jerry Bickle Race Cars. Awesome looking car, I might add. And I'm no sort of Mustang guy. Great looking race car. And they struggle struggled mightily and Ricky told me that car is so hard to race it's so hard to race and making them do the same thing twice is very difficult and it just I mean it, it was hard enough for Ricky and this is a guy who knows how to be successful that he I mean he just threw in the towel on it I mean he just moved he went back to his nitrous car a car that you know he consistently claimed you know d was was at a significant dif disadvantage he brought it back out and, you know, the rules get changed around a little bit. Next thing you know, he's winning a race. And so I'm just saying that this is a it's a very interesting conversation. There's a ton of things to talk about with it. But I, I think if this whole situation in this whole situation in um, Charlotte, if anything, if anything comes from this, I, I think it could be positive. I really do. And I and I think that. In a lot of ways, Stevie did these guys a big service just by going out and winning the world championship and kind of taking all the the attention and and gobbling up all the the limelight the last couple of days because this this story, which I thought was going to be something that really got legs and it performed really well on our website. We got a ton of traffic on this story Sunday. It worked out fantastically to post this story during a rain delay. We got a little bit of strategy there. I was pretty proud of that play, but anyways. 
it, it seems to have really cooled off. I thought we'd see some tempers flaring. I thought we'd hear a little bit more about it. But everybody seems to have, you know, calmed down and then uh, we're on to the next one, man. I'm excited to see what happens in Vegas. That's my next um, NHRA national event. Event. I'll be at the the Las Vegas Nationals at the Strip at Las Vegas Motor Speedway at the end of the month. Very excited about that. My uh, second annual trip uh, to uh, to Las Vegas. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. So many things to do and, and, and people watching is legit fun. It's just great, great place. So I'm very excited about it. I'm anxious to see how all this plays out at the drag strip the, the next time out. I did want to move on down the list here and I said I had seven things to talk about today and I don't know if there's any way that I'm going to get through all these, but I'm going to blast through a couple of them as quickly as I can. I really thought the pro stock, NHRA pro stock this past weekend was fun to watch. A semifinal round that that featured damn near an elite motorsports sweep. Three cars had Jeg not red-lighted in the round prior. Jeg Coughlin, it would have been an all-elite semifinal round. You see Matt Hartford and Erica Enders in the final. Erica um, goes out and very uncharacteristically, the car shakes the tires. And, you know, that's the type of thing that happens with these cars. I mean, you make so many good runs in a row and then something just goes wrong. You just, you miss it, right? And that's all that happened there. But she leaves leaves Charlotte and heads into this weekend's NHRA National in Dallas at Ennis, the Motorplex in Texas, and she's got like a nearly a 40-point lead, and it's just crazy. I look at the year this girl's had, it's been it's been a struggle. This is a team that, that has had some real ups and downs in 2019, looked really strong early in the year, would qualify really well, but wasn't able to translate any of that qualifying success to race day. Early on in early in the season, it looked to me like KB was going to run away with this deal. Whether it was Bo Butner, Jason Lyon, Greg Anderson, you know, Bo looked so good early. Then, you know, Jason Lyon has had a ton, of, a full head of steam throughout the year. And it just goes to show you with this playoff for, format, with the countdown to the championship, which at different times, the NHRA, sometimes the NHRA, it, it looks like they're geniuses and sometimes it looks like they're idiots. But this year, it's my opinion that, you know, the, the countdown is serving its purpose, right? It it lets us, it creates a it creates a unique air for the, the last six races of the season. And man, it's been fun to watch. This pro stock deal, especially, just because there's so much there's there's some characters there, and there's the characters are are in the cars, outside of the cars, the team owners are involved, the crew chiefs are vocal and visible. It's just it's a great, great, great time for NHRA Pro Stock. And you got to think about it. A couple of years ago, we were like nailing the Pro Stock's coffin shut, right? We were like on the last nail, getting ready to drop the bomb on these guys. It's over, right? Pro Stock is dead in the water. And now I look at it and I'm going, shoot. They consistently have great fields of cars, more than they need, have hit that 20, 19, 20 car mark or whatever, been over that. A lot of quality, a lot of diversity, young guys. Uh, we got Erica flying the female flag. I mean, it's just, it's a really, really great class right now. I think they're doing a phenomenal job, and I, I really want to be more vocal about that. I, it's well known that I'm super passionate about pro-modified drag racing, and I love the the lightning in a bottle that is all these different engine combinations, 
But I got to tell you, I grew up on 500-inch pro stock racing. This is what I've known my entire life was 500-inch pro stock racing. It's what we did as a family. It's uh, it's what our kind of collective dream and passion always was. Five, And I will argue to this day that there is no sweeter sound at the drag strip than a 500-inch pro stock car coming out of the water box. The sweet, sweet song of a 500-inch naturally aspirated pro stock engine coming out of the water is unrivaled in audio at the racetrack. That is the best sound you're going to hear. No doubt about it. You, you, you listen to somebody who knows what they're doing, come out of the water, maybe dip up and hit the rev limiter once, and then kind of come down into that sweet spot. And it just, there's no sweeter sound than that of a 500 inch pro stock engine. And I'm just really glad to see the class turn around. We could take a huge Huge uh, uh, right-hand turn here and veer off on a scheduling topic because what we're seeing is just how impactful changing the schedule was. A lot of people freaked out whenever the NHRA announced that the pro that the excuse me the pro stocks were going to go from 24 races to 18. But man, the look at what has happened. A whole new life for the class. A whole new life. And I know that there's probably not a single person in Glendora or in Indianapolis that are associated with the NHRA or employed by the NHRA that, that want to hear people, you know, go crazy that there are too many races, but man, there, I think there's too many races. I don't, I don't want to even want to begin to try to be, you know, to decide which track you don't go to. And those conversations would suck. Making those calls would be horrible, horrible, horrible. But I don't know how you can argue it. You look at, I mean, this, and I know this is a conversation that's being had, that, that there are discussions going on, but I don't know if there's anything that's really indicative of the NHRA reducing their national event schedule, but I don't think you've got to look much further than NHRA Pro Stock to see how successful that can be. That you you take away some of the time commitment, you you reduce some of the travel expense burden, and you set this thing up for success. It could change things. It could really, really, really change things. And I got to say, watching this whole pro stock in 2019 has been a ball to watch. I'm super excited to see how this thing shakes out. There's a couple of races left. Um, I think Erica Enders is in a really good spot, but it's going to be a dogfight. There are so many good cars. Her and, and there's no gimmies. There's no layups. I mean, we saw it. I really... I didn't know what to expect in the first round in St. Louis at the NHRA Midwest Nationals the weekend of my birthday. Shout out to uh, everybody on social media and everybody at the racetrack that that uh, wished me happy birthday. I really appreciate it. But it was um, it was an interesting one. Probably the first time I've ever been. I'm officially closer to 40 than uh, 30, and it's a little bit hard for me to swallow. But I digress. I digress here. Uh, and if anybody's you know using my latch onto a word as a drinking game, there's uh, a couple of shots I'm gonna probably latch on to digress. Oh, there's three. Um, I really didn't know what to expect in the first round of Pro Stock at the uh, NHRA Midwest Nationals in St. Louis when I see Aaron Stanfield and Alex Laughlin line up in the first round of competition. These are both elite cars. These are cars fielded by elite motorsports, operated under that umbrella. They're they're pitted together, literally in the same pits. And I go, okay, Alex is kind of in the championship hunt. Aaron's not. I wonder, you know, I mean... I mean, everybody wants to race and win, but I mean, is this, if there was ever a time for someone to, you know, be uncharacteristically late or whatever, this might be it. And they go up there and get in a staging duel. I'm like, what is happening? Is this really happening? 
Alex and the, what? And it was kind of cool in some ways, and it and it didn't really work out for either of them the way that they wanted. I mean, I don't know that they they basically kind of they didn't get intentionally quick treed, but it was an, an exceptionally quick tree. I don't know that either of them even had the cars up on the the two step when the when the tree came down. So neither one of them made great runs, but. It was kind of interesting. If you're a fan of this stuff, what a great example of two guys going out there and racing for it, right? I mean, considering all the claims of team orders that have happened in drag racing over the years since we started covering the sport at least, it seems like something that I hear about fairly frequently, especially this time of the year. But to see those dudes go up, line up, and just kind of get into a badass drag race, I'm going, this is, you know, this is incredible that they – that this is happening. So here headed into the end of the season, I think it's going to be a dogfight. KB, Jason line is not going to go away. That's a car and a driver, a, a group of people that are, that are determined. It, it's personal. You know, these, these guys are, are friendly. They talk on the phone. They, they, uh, they stay in constant communication, but don't think for a second that there isn't a real serious desire, desire to beat each other. That I mean, those two camps specifically KB and elite motorsports, that is a legit feud. They there is no love lost between those two camps and it's going to be cool to see them duke it out for the rest of 2019 and I've said this before that I truly believe Erica Enders is without question the greatest female race car driver. I what there are going to be people mad at me because of Shirley Muldowney or or whatever and what but I'm just the difficulty of driving a pro stock car the, the precision required and her ability to be so good so often for so long is it, in, a, in a variety of situations, right? There's – and the pressure is so much on her. I mean you look at – I mean it, there's a famous story about you know the, the involvement of you know John Force's struggle, 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 struggle gets Austin Coyle involved and all of a sudden they're winning races and winning championships, right? And – that there's people, there are tuners that can have, there are pro stock crew chiefs that can have that kind of impact on your program in pro stock, but the driver is just still so critical. I mean, especially at this point in time with these 10,500 RPM rev limiters, if you hit the rev limiter on a couple of gears or you pull a, a gear or two early, it's just the precision required at this point in time is unbelievable and the fact that Erica is able to do it as well as she does it as often as she does it is to me it's it's mind-boggling I mean it is incredible and I'm just I think that it's cool to see her in this position out in front and I'm anxious to see what they're able to do this is a this could be a storybook season for uh, that young lady and I'm really I'm really happy for her I think that this is going to be fun to watch and to see her kind of go back and forth with with the KB guys and and contend with the likes of of Jason Line and, and Greg Anderson and Matt Hartford. I mean, let's not leave this guy out. This guy's having a career year, a banner year here in 2019, his best year of 500 inch pro stock racing ever. The guy's a former world champion in ADRL extreme pro stock, but, you know, mountain motor racing. But this guy is really coming into his own, not only as a driver, but as a crew chief and, and the tuner on his car and working with that team. Great, 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 great dude. Phenomenal competitor. And I just think pro stock's a lot of fun to watch right now. It really is. I I don't know what happened, I, but 
because it's not just the the schedule. I think it's just there's some enthusiasm back. There's a, some excitement back over there. There's some fun being had. I do think that that's a class that got so secretive and so competitive that it was a little salty in the pits, and it, it, it felt like people weren't maybe having the fun that they should be having, especially with all the money that was being spent and all the effort that was being made. But, man, it's uh, if you're a fan of, of door slammer drag racing, it's going to be fun to watch what happens these next few races in NHRA Pro Stock. So I've got to uh, – I'll move on rapidly because we're, we're over the hour mark here, and I was going to try to keep this thing under an hour, but uh, I'm not having very good luck with that. So it's been a minute, right? There's a lot of stuff to talk about. I don't really know how else to do it, and I got, I got to cover all these things. So rapidly, four more things to do. So I wanted to uh, offer another sincere congratulations to yet another Drag Illustrated cover star, Megan Meyer, the, the world's first female top alcohol dragster champion. She had a, a heck of a, a showdown with TJ Coughlin, a couple of drag racing's young guns, a couple of, I would argue, future superstars. Megan is trending that direction already. Um, TJ Coughlin has has had success in, in pro mod, uh, all sorts of sportsman categories, uh, dabbled in top fuel racing, really finding coming into his own in a fuel drag uh, behind the wheel of an a fuel dragster uh, in top alcohol dragster competition, and it's just been cool. There's something happening. We did a story about this in a recent issue of Drag Illustrated, just touching on how like incredible, how how truly incredible that whole the the, the Randy Meyer champion camp champ camp i think is what we we dubbed it because this guy is churning out superstars churning out great drivers the people that come through randy myers program wherever they go next they have success and i don't know you know megan meyer and i we've had some conversations where she's perfectly content racing where she is she's able been able to secure some sponsorship she's been able to garner a, a lot of publicity and I don't know that she I don't I'm not sure that she has like top fuel funny car aspirations. She's she's um she's content doing what she's doing and doing it at a high level. But uh this is a superstar right here and it's there's an interesting little side note to make about all this. I actually had a conversation with a guy last week, a very well-known uh drag racer, a very accomplished drag racer who's in the midst of like in the final stages of a major endorsement situation with a very prominent like fortune 500 company right and i asked him i said well do they have um do they have strong opinions about where you race or what you do or 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 anything like that and he goes no not actually not at all i said really like they don't care what class or whatever he goes no they just want to they want to they want to endorse me they want to sponsor me as a driver as an athlete as a personality as a, a content creator and it just is proof that you don't it, you don't have to be in top fuel. You don't have to be in funny car or pro stock. You don't have to be. You can be in top alcohol dragster or you can be wherever y- your passion lies if you put yourself out there consistently, if you've got a strong message, if you've got a unique story, y- these things can happen. And, you know, kudos to um to Megan Meyer. I mean, Dot's Pretzels, my daughter Sophia 
for anybody that that has met her, she is a she's a female Tasmanian devil. She's prettier than the Tasmanian devil, um, but she is like a a she is a, a real life version of a Tasmanian devil. She lives on Dot's pretzels. It's really the only. It's like the the base of her food pyramid are Dot's pretzels, and to see Dot's pretzels, which are phenomenal, I like to dip them in anything. I'll dip them. My daughter dips them in mustard. She dips everything in mustard. It's unbelievable. I like to dip them in ranch or dip them in um, any different type of cheese, whether it's queso or just some like that cheddar cheese whiz type of stuff. Also very good in French onion dip, any type of like bacon type of dip, bacon cheese dip from your local grocer. These Dots pretzels are ridiculous. Hopefully this uh, little rant right here can get me locked up with some sort of endorsement deal. But you think about it, Dots pretzels, this is a major brand. I mean, at least it's an exploding, growing brand, in my opinion. And it's a premium product. I mean, they're not cheap, right? I mean, they're they're not cheap. I think it's like $5.99 at our local grocery store for like the small bag. I think you got to give away your, your firstborn for the big bag that's like a foot and a half long. But anyways, I digress. There you go. Take a shot. I, uh, I Seeing that brand, seeing that logo on the side of a top alcohol dragster, seeing... Megan Meyer doing appearances on behalf of Dots Pretzels. It's proof, guys. Anybody out there, you're looking for a little inspiration? Look at Megan. Look at what Megan Meyer is doing in the, at the highest now, no doubt, the highest levels of sportsman drag racing, right? She's, I think that you got to have that compel. There's a compelling argument. I mean, she's racing in a really fast car. She's, it's the proverbial drag car, long drag car with header flames. I mean, it, it, it does a lot of the things that you need these things to do to kind of capture someone's imagination. But she's racing at big events, right? She's going to NHRA national events and NHRA divisional events. But her personality and the brand she's built online, that's really fueling her sponsorship opportunities. I don't know that it matters. I think she could be racing like jet-powered tricycles and Dots Pretzels would like to be involved with her. So it's it's really, really important that people remember that. And just again, moving on down the list here, huge congratulations to Megan Meyer, Randy Meyer, that whole camp. That's a It's an amazing family there. I met Randy Meyer in the spring of 2005, little fun story. He was uh, the first person that I ever booked in to do a match race when I was the general manager of a little eighth mile drag strip in Southeast Iowa called Eddyville Raceway Park. It was a, uh, it was in the lead up to Memorial Day, our first holiday event of the year. My first, you know, season as a track operator, I was 21 years old in, in way over my head, but having the time of my life, terrified, Admittedly terrified, but having the time of my life, no less. And the first match race booking that I had was with Randy Meyer. He's based out of Kansas City area. It's not too far of a haul over to uh, up to Eddyville. So I had him come out. He made, I told him I needed him to make, I think, I think I needed him to make two passes. I really wanted him to make two passes. One, like as the sun was going down, like of the evening and then a nighttime pass kind of like as our bookend. And I, I had a hell of a show. I had him. Bruce uh, uh, from Denver, I'm drawing blank on his last name right now, Bowler, Bowling, whatever, Um, another top alcohol dragster, Phoenix Custom Apparel car, I had him out, so I had two top alcohol cars, both injected nitro cars, A-Fuel cars, I had like at least a couple nitro funny cars, like a four-car Pro Mod show, um, a jet car too, pretty big show, right, for a Memorial Day show, I was pretty proud of it, and Randy was uh, the best match race booking I ever had. He came to the track and he said, hey, can I test? I'm like, you want to test for your match race? 
like, seriously? Wiping my nose, I apologize. My uh, allergies are killing me. But um, you want to test for your match race. And I'm looking, you know, everybody else is, you know, pretty much everybody else in the match race scene, you know, at least at that time, they're going, how long does, do I got to, I got to do a long burnout? How long do you want me to idle? And I was really specific about this stuff for, it's probably no surprise to the people that know me well. I had very specific instructions for these guys. You're doing long burnouts. Like if you can't do a long burnout, don't come. If you're not willing to let that thing idle and lift the body up and look at shit and be scared and kind of put on a show, don't come. Cause that stuff was very important to me. I wanted these guys to put on a show. I vividly remember telling like Jack Wyatt and team Frank Pedragon and team, Hey, lift the body up, turn some dials, look worried, scramble for some tools. I don't know. Make people in the stands think something's wrong or what's going to happen next. I need some I need some theatrics. Don't not do that. Do a long burnout, back up slow or back up fast. I mean, don't don't back up, do one or the other. Back up really slow and dramatically or or back up like 150 miles an hour. One or the other. No in between. I was very specific with my instructions and I remember Randy Meyer asking me if he could test and I thought, this dude wants to test. I mean, this is the polar opposite of every other conversation I've had. He wants to run more. And I, yeah, man, you can test. You can do whatever you want. Just tell me, just, just tell me, call me or whatever, or come up here and tell one of us, or just pull into the lanes and we'll we'll let you make a run. And I think he made like three hits before the show started. And I thought, man, this is my kind of guy. People were going nuts. I mean, we would like. We, we pardon this uh, pardon this interruption of the bracket program while we run this freaking three second a fuel dragster out here for everybody in the middle of the day. It was awesome, and you know we were pretty proud of the track. We kept that place up really well, and it was a great a great racing surface at the time. You know the the expectations of race tracks have changed dramatically over the course of the last uh, 10, 15 years, but that was a great track at the time, and I. Uh, I'll never forget, Randy Meyer was a, a lock book for us. I think I booked him three times a year typically, um, or at least two times a year, because Labor Day they would always be in Indy. But I would I would always bring him out for uh, Memorial Day and uh, for uh, uh, 4th of July, excuse me. And th- he was a part of our show, and I had kind of always told him, like, hey, for as long as I do this, you're going to be a part of this. And unfortunately, I didn't do it for very long. Fortunately for me, um, unfortunately for that situation, I didn't do the the track manager thing for too much longer. But anyways, huge congratulations to that whole camp. Really happy for those guys. Moving on down the list, I got three more things to talk about. I uh, really just wanted to touch on how it's cool for me. We talked earlier about longevity and what it means in this sport. And I and I look at what Jim Halsey is doing right now in PDRA Pro Nitrous Competition. The PDRA rolls into Virginia Motorsports Park this weekend for the uh, PDRA World Finals. And he has a, I believe Halsey's got like a three-round lead over Tommy Franklin, which, you know, obviously is not insurmountable in, a, a, in, in this situation at this point in time. But I just really feel like it's going to be very difficult to bet against Jim Halsey and Jim Halsey, Kathy Krause, Eric Davis, that group. Um, they just really have a great program. And it's cool to think about, you know, Halsey kind of disappeared from the scene for a few years, focused on business, doing other things, uh, probably what, you know, everybody should be doing, focusing on their business instead of racing. But, you know, thank God of uh, forever all these crazy people. But anyways... Jim kind of stepped away from from the sport for a little while, but he was always that guy 
that he's been connected to so many big moments in 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 nitrous pro mod racing whether it was the first five second run for a nitrous door slammer at the shakedown in uh e-town uh up there in new jersey in october um he's just the big red machine right that red camaro that everybody knew fulton on the hood scoop no logos on it except for a, you know a, a little run there where there was a a yellow bullet logo on the door of it promoting uh the yellow bullet nationals at the the drag strip that jim halsey owns cecil county dragway up in maryland but the, the car was really had like massive appeal and jim had massive appeal and he was he, he was kind of quiet. He didn't do tons of interviews, didn't do a lot of press. He was on the cover of Drag Illustrated. Another man, everybody I've talked about today has been on the cover of Drag Illustrated. That's kind of cool to think about. hundred, Well, 150 issues in almost 15 years, that, that's going to happen, I guess. But anyways, I digress. Pound one for you. Uh, have another on me. It's early in the day, so be careful. Uh, make sure you got a ride if you are uh, drinking when I say digress. But anyways... Jim Halsey, I, I truly think this guy's a lock for the PDRA Pro Nitrous World Championship. And I just want to acknowledge it's been fun to watch, man. This guy has a hot rod. Uh, they've got a phenomenal program right now. I think that pro nitrous racing is just fun for me. I love A, I love header flames. I love nitrous purges. I love hood scoops. I think that that is some of the PDRA Pro Nitrous it remains a unsung hero of on the drag racing landscape. There is some the, some of the best drag racing that is going on happens in PDRA Pro Nitrous. There are a slew of personalities over there. There are a slew of engine builders, chassis builders, tuners. Uh, it, there's just a lot There's a lot of layers to that onion too, and it's exciting. I like it a lot, and I just think it's cool when we've seen these strings of domination, whether it was Pat Musi crushing everybody or, or Rear Morrison crushing everybody, um, all these different chassis builders that have, that have rose to prominence in that category these different tuners and different drivers. Again, there's some real personalities over there. Lizzie Musi, Tommy Franklin, Jay Cox. I mean, the list, I mean, the aforementioned Jim Halsey, it's, they're just people that have stories that, that have personalities and it's, it's a ton of fun to watch. And I'm really, I'm going to be paying attention. And that's a really, it's a, it's a fun segue and kind of a perfect segue to kind of end this episode of uh, the podcast. And I'll just, what a weekend we're about to have in drag racing. And I, I have mixed emotions about this. There are times there maybe there's an argument that could be had that it's exciting when you think about the fact that we've got an NHRA national event this weekend at the Motorplex in Ennis, Texas, right? You're you're in the midst of the NHRA countdown to the championship. You have this much uh, publicized by Keith Haney and company Midwest Pro Mod Series exhibition shootout deal going on during the NHRA national event. I think that there's like 20 some odd cars that have entered this deal. It's an eighth mile deal. From what I understand, they're racing for a Wally. You know, Keith's really poured a ton. Keith Haney's poured a ton of energy and effort into this deal, is over the moon excited about it. I know there's so many of those racers that are just I've seen this firsthand. I saw it early in 2019 during the first Mountain Motor Pro Stock exhibition at, uh, in NHRA competition here in 2019 at, uh, at, in Houston. And I actually saw it prior to that last year when the NHRA brought out a, a handful of Mountain Motor Pro Stock cars for the U.S. Nationals. I was reminded how much it means to be on the grounds of a national event, to race on those tracks, to, to race with the safety safari 
um, camped out at the top end of the racetrack to to be in the staging lanes with John Forrest and Ron Caps and to to be around these people to 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 fist bump Robert Height as you walk to the concession stand or whatever to be in that clique is huge to to be to be guilty by association at an NHRA national event to say you're there racing no matter what level you're at or where you're involved it's a huge deal that's why you see you know kids get geeked out when they're going to do a junior dragster exhibition or when you see you know these there a variety of exhibition guys or you know little series that have been brought in it's a big deal that's the big show you cannot argue it so i'm so happy not just for Keith Haney, but all those Midwest Pro Mod Series guys that are going to have the opportunity to go out on the grandest stage that exists in drag racing and 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 be a part of the show. I can't. I'm happy for them, the drivers, the the team owners, the crew chiefs, but I'm really ha- and the teams. But I'm happy for their families. And you know, all these guys are going to bring everybody they know. They've bought a bunch of tickets. This is a huge opportunity for them to to stick their chest out. This is the type of thing that you you remember for a lifetime, and I'm really excited for those guys. But if you think about everything that's going on this weekend, NHRA national event in Texas, PDRA world finals, national event level race at uh, Virginia Motorsports Park, you've got No Mercy going on in Valdosta, Georgia, inarguably you know, one of the largest independent drag racing events on the, on the planet. One, you know, it's... I would say it's the biggest, but it it's only competition is its is its February uh, version, right? Donald's other race down there in the Sweet Sixteen. So to have these huge these three big races on the same weekend, it, it's it's cool. Like if you're a casual fan or or kind of a you're, you're a live stream level fan, it's probably cool because you're gonna have all this stuff to watch. You're you're if you don't have anything going on this weekend, you're probably going to be staring at a computer screen or a smartphone a whole lot. Um you probably should order some flowers for your significant others and like I don't know, order some pizza for your kids cuz you're going to have your hands full watching all the drag racing that's going on. But for for those of us that are that are traveling to a race, it's like being forced to choose is it really sucks and I hate it sometimes. I feel like this is kind of a spectacular cluster to be honest. And I think that it's, it's dividing a whole lot of, it's dividing the attention of a group of people. And it just, I think uh, it creates a little bit, none of, no, none of these events are going to be better for this, right? I don't think that there's a single one of these events that are going to be better because they're on top of another event. And, you know, these dates get set and everybody rolls their schedules out at different times. And I don't really know that anybody's necessarily to blame. It's just one of those situations that happen. There's too many races. Uh, there's so many. And I don't that could be argued. You know, some people may say that I'm crazy for saying there are too many races. But I just think that there are so many races. Let's use that. There are so many races and there's only so many weekends in the year. So this is bound to happen. Nobody is in trouble, not mad at anybody, not anything like that. I'm not uh, pointing fingers or, or throwing stones, but it does kind of suck that, you know, guys, you, you know, you're going to see a lot of people put in a lot of effort to try to be a lot of different places at once. I know Alex Laughlin, superstar driver, you know, he's going to make the effort, which this is kind of insane to me. It's exciting. It's going to be a fun story to watch unfold. It's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it works out, what he's able to do, how successful he's able to be trying to race pro stock in Dallas and radio versus the world in Valdosta, Georgia. I Google mapped this the other day. 
that's a long, those events are far apart. This is not going to be easy. The, the biggest issue with it is that you can't use like a puddle jumper. You can't, you, you, I actually even called my father-in-law. I'm like, hey, how far of a flight is it? He's like, oh, that's a long way. I'd have to refuel. Because I thought, man, I bet I know somebody with a small plane that could help Alex out. But it's such, it's a haul. So you got to have a pretty good sized plane. You got to charter a jet. You got to have a, a King Air, some sort of twin engine prop plane, turboprop plane. I mean, you, you got to have some real aviation on your side, some high level aviation on your side, or you've got to subject yourself to like some real madness with commercial air travel. So it's going to be fun to watch that happen. I'm sure Alex will put on a hell of a show via social media. I would say uh, lock in to his uh, Instagram stories or Facebook stories because it's probably going to be pretty hilarious. But that that it's a conundrum, man. There's a lot of stuff going on this weekend. It's going to be hard to follow it all. It's it's fantastic because it's a great representation of just how much great stuff, phenomenal content exists in drag racing right now. Really, really awesome content across the board in drag racing right now. But it's just uh, it's a bummer that it's kind of all happening at once. So anyways, those were my seven topics I wanted to touch on. I do a couple of other notes. I was looking through my inbox and it was a rare opportunity on Monday because of the rain delay. A lot of the post-race press releases that I normally get on Monday or on Sunday evening I was getting them all on Monday evening and Tuesday, and I started to look at this, and I go, man, there's a direct correlation between the people who have stories all over the internet, on the pages of magazines, in newspapers, uh, that, that have headlines all across social media. There's something that all those teams have in common, all those drivers have in common, and it's that they send out press releases. So this is my little public service announcement. Here headed in to the end of 2019, we're at championship time, we're at re- we're in record-setting season, as I call it. If you're, if you're kicking ass and taking names out on the drag strip, let people know. You have to, don't, if you don't, I, I always like to say, if you don't toot your own horn, someone else will use it as a spittoon. But but even more important is that if you don't toot your own horn, you can't complain when there's no music. There's there's a reason that, that the super teams that exist in drag racing employ full-time PR people, full-time media people. You look at John Force Racing, they have an army of media people. Look at how much press they get. It's a direct result of the effort they're putting in to their marketing and promotion program. So if you're a racer out there and you're trying to live up to uh, an arrangement with a sponsor, if you're trying to earn a sponsor, you're trying to become the next Megan Meyer, you're trying to become the, the next uh, uh, Stevie Fast Jackson, send out press releases. I know it sounds, I think that there, maybe we need to come up with a new name for it because I think some people, it, there's a, it's a term that's been around for so long that I don't know if it's nostalgia or if it smacks archaic, but I'm telling you, there is no, there's the consistent public relations effort will bear fruit. I promise you. And you don't have to hire anybody to do it. I, there are templates available. Uh, again, you can shoot me an email, Wes at dragillustrated.com, and I will send you my personal press release templates. But if you want to see your name in lights, if you want to see your race team, your sponsors, name in lights, you want to see them capturing headlines through across the sport of drag racing, there's no more expedited path 
than to send out press releases. All of us in the media business, I employ a, a, a slew of writers, a handful of full-timers, and a slew of freelance content creators, photographers, and writers, and, and I'm not alone. Every magazine and media outlet in our industry have, a, have an army of people that, that work together to create content for a variety of different purposes, right? Magazines, websites, email, newsletters, blog posts, so on and so forth. The, the, the biggest help you can provide for us is to let us know what you're up to. Send us a blurb. Send us a note. Send us a date and a location, a who, what, where, when, and why, right? Think about, t- tell us what happened this weekend. Send a couple of pictures. There's nothing you can do. It's not always a lock. Not everything you send is going to get run, right? You, you have to play the long game. But if, if it's like that classic, uh, you, you miss every shot you don't take. And, it, and it's a very, that, that rings extremely true with the promotion of your own program. So send out, Press releases, man. Send them to us. Send them to press at dragillustrated.com. Get on all these websites, any website that you frequent. Click around. Find the contact us. Find the name of the editor. Find someone that's involved and get their email address and make a create a mailing list. And every time you do something of note, right, there are people that go crazy with this. And it, it's become something of a joke in some instances. But you can't argue its effectiveness. Let people in the media, let your sponsors know what you're up to. Most of the clients that, that I have or have worked with in the past, they typically maintain two, two lists. They would maintain a, an email list that was, com- that was comprised of people in the media. You know, Wes at Drag Illustrated, Nate at Drag Illustrated, Josh at Drag Illustrated, Pete at Drag Illustrated, all these different people, right? Bobby Bennett at Competition Plus and, you know, uh, Kevin McKenna at National Dragster. They would have a list of all these different people in the media and they every time they they did something of note or, you know, and sometimes there are people that make a commitment to every weekend. They're going to put out a pre-race post, uh, press release and they're going to put out a post-race press release. I believe that to be a very, very successful formula. I truly do. And it, it, it works. Not everything you send is going to get printed. It's not all going to get published, but you'd be surprised how much of it will. These, these people, people such as myself, I mean, this is a, I'm, I'm in this category. We're hungry for content. We can't fill these cups fast enough. In this day and age, I used to think doing the magazine was hard 15 years ago when all we had to do was the magazine. All we had to do was compile write stories, compile photos, and put together a printed product. That's all we had to do. Fast forward 15 years to 2019, we've got a daily updated website. We've got multiple social media channels. We've got multiple email lists. We've got the magazine. We've got podcasts. We've got videos projects. We've got so many buckets to fill that I got to tell you, we really appreciate it when you send us a nice little pre-written you know, written story with a with a headline and, and a couple of high-resolution photos? Are you serious? You're going on the front page, son. You're going on f- the front page because you just made somebody's day way easier. The second list that a lot of these PR professionals maintain would be that of sponsors. That of sponsors, people that they're working with, people that are providing them parts or, or, or investing in their program, those are people, that's a separate list. You need to maintain that as a separate list. Send it out. To a group of people, excuse me, I about lost my voice there. No surprise, an hour and 28 minutes of complete rambling. But that that's a secondary list, right? You have a, a PR list, a media list, people in the media. Then you have a sponsor or manufacturer list, people that are involved with your program that you want to keep up to date. Those people, especially the ones uh, providing you product or, like I said, investing in your program some way, shape, or form, very important to keep them 
invested and to keep them engaged and let them know what you're up to. Uh, and and those are the people that you especially, you may not want to hit them with a, you know, for the 19th race in a row, we have disqualified, you know, or we have been, uh, we have not qualified or whatever. You may not want to send out the, we, for the fourth race in a row, we red lighted in the first round. You may not want to hit them with that, but let them know when you're setting records. Let them know when you're having success at any level. Let them know that you're making progress, that you're, that you're, you're living up to the obligation to represent them in fine family, then in fine fashion. And on that, as I start to stumble and bumble, I, I need to blow my nose and call it a day. I'm on the road this weekend headed to No Mercy, Valdosta, Georgia. I got to make a, a couple of quick trips for meetings uh, later today and throughout uh, the weekend. But uh, I'll be in Valdosta, or throughout the end of the week, excuse me. But I'll be in Valdosta Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Really excited to uh, get down there, shoot some videos, uh, bring out some selfie videos. It's been a minute. It's been a minute since I've done any selfie videos. I hope I get my allergies under control. And lastly, I apologize for the delay in in banging out one of these podcasts. I will uh, be uploading much more frequently moving forward here. And uh, I appreciate it. I'll talk to you guys soon.